Welcome to Whores Talk Horror. We're not really whores. We just like wordplay. Hello and welcome to Whores Talk Horror. I'm Sharon. And I'm Melinda. And today we have a very special guest. We would like to introduce Amanda Goodyear. She has been in many independent films. She was in an episode of The Detour starring Jason Jones. She was also in season 8 Episode 5 of Snapped Killer Couples, which is one of Mindy's favorite shows to binge and also yell at. So welcome, Amanda. Hi, thanks for having me. You are so welcome, and thanks for coming on our show. Just a little bit of background, you and I used to work together in Chicago. Mm -hmm. You were acting in Chicago for a while, and now you're in North Carolina. Can you tell us why um, you moved to North Carolina, and how is the acting scene in North Carolina compared to Chicago? Um, it's kind of a total fluke. My husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, he got a job teaching at UNCW University, North Carolina, Wilmington. And so we thought, okay, like, let's try this out. And I had no idea that the film scene in Wilmington is so huge. Um, they call it the Hollywood of the South. And now it's since moved a little bit more to Atlanta, but I can say there's way more jobs here in North Carolina than in Chicago. Wow. Um, and Chicago's great, but it had a ceiling for me, which was also why it wasn't so hesitant to move. I think when you knew me, I started like doing stand-up and improv shows at the time and was just doing whatever the colleges were putting on. But probably like the year before I had moved, I was on TV twice a week. I was auditioning all the time. I had a modeling agent and I was still on food stamps. So I was like, this is not cutting it at all. Um, because the sad secret about bigger cities is that they just don't pay. So I'm probably gonna get in a lot of trouble for saying that. (laughs) 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 Oh, well, it's one of my big plights, like as an actor, though, is like, I I always get extremely honest with people about that stuff. I have no issues with that because I'm kind of like broke is broke. Like what else you want? And also in big cities, you have more competition for roles. Um, insanity. Yeah. When we went to see La La Land, my mother-in-law took me and it's, it's such a diversion from this. I swear to God, it's so bad. Um, but I know it's such a horror movie. It kind of was, I hated it. Um, (laughs) but there's like a part of it where she goes to an audition and there are all these women that look just like her and they're all going in to say the same thing. That is Chicago. We had an audition to be the Wendy's girl and it was every crazy quirky redhead in the city. And we were all in one room. And I thought I thought that would be a good horror movie, actually. Like, <laughs> You're absolutely right. Like, you know, I'm fine to admit it. Like, redheads are nuts. Like, oh, my gosh, we're, we're crazy. <laughs> so um, within the last week, we watched your episode. I actually saw it before, but I wanted to rewatch it. Oh, my um, gosh. And jot oh down God. some questions. Your episode of Killer Couples, and we're going to do kind of a quick synopsis for the listeners out there who have not seen this episode, because we have so many things that we want to ask you about this, because Mindy and I are both total fangirls over these reenactment shows. So, um, Mindy, do you want to give us a quick uh, synopsis? Uh, Sure. Um, So, in this episode, you play Michelle Thayer, right? That's how we say it? Yep. Yep. Michelle Thayer, who is a lonely military wife trapped in a boring marriage to Marty Thayer, you were hot and horny, and your husband wasn't giving you what you wanted, so like we all do, you turn to the internet. And that's where you met John Diamond, which that totally sounds like a porn name, I'm sorry. (laughs) 
<laughs> he was also married, and the two of you start having an affair. Uh, he was also in the military and couldn't risk getting caught having an affair because the in the armed forces, adultery is a criminal offense, which, side note, I didn't know that. That's really interesting to know. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the theory is that it could break down uh, unit cohesion. Your affair with John is wild and michelle and john would go to fishbowl parties and have sex with other couples but then marty wanted to make things work with michelle because he thought she was growing distant from him so she broke up the affair with john and tried to make it work with her husband Um, michelle and marty were on their way to a christmas party she decides that she needs to stop at her office to pick up some paperwork while she is in the office she hears a gunshot and someone shot her husband in the back of the head while he was walking up the stairs to go check on his wife Um, Of course, she's the number one suspect, as spouses normally are in situations like this. Uh, The story of her affair came out to the cops during the investigation. Police further discovered that John Diamond, the uh, porn star slash (laughs) army guy, sorry, was a trained sniper in the military. Long story short, Michelle and John kill her husband so that she could get a huge life insurance payout. John was convicted of murder and sentenced to life without parole. Evidence was found that Michelle uh, linked to being a co-conspirator to the murder. She skipped town, and when the police eventually tracked her down four months later in Florida, uh, they found she was living with a new boyfriend. She had extensive plastic surgery done to her face and books on how to disappear in America. We're found. Oh, sorry. We're found in her place. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. She was found guilty of first degree murder and sentenced to life without parole. Dun dun dun. Does that sound about right? And has since been sequestered multiple times for psychologically manipulating other inmates. Really? So this actually leads us to a question that I think Sharon and I both had was, did you do research for this episode? Or if so, how much? Or can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, no, I can talk about all of that, which is great. Um, they're really cool with it. So I actually um, sent the story into my favorite murder. No, oh, you did not. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like waiting to hear on it. But it was great because I got to like review everything and see it in a different way. But also what's kind of funny about it, um, because the one Karen writes for TV. So she knows like, like all the things you're not supposed to do is what they constantly do with these reenactment shows. And these reenactment shows have huge audiences and really loyal ones too, even though like they really shouldn't. They're awful. <laughs> like, <laughs> awful no... in a great way. <laughs> I mean, in a wonderful way. They're just crap. It's awesome. Um <laughs> There's no microphones during the recordings of the shows, so they're really looking for people that actually look as much like the perpetrators and victims and all involved as possible. So it was on um, Actors Access, which is a Craigslist for actors, so I submitted to it without my agent's permission or knowledge. Oh, wow. (laughs) Um, Because... It's like, I mean, I think Sharon's known tune since we worked together. I've always wanted to be on Lifetime. Like, that's just... Fuck yeah! Vegal. Well, that was one of the questions I had for you later, later is, like, what is your, your ultimate goal? But, oh my god, I, like, cannot wait to see you in your own Lifetime movie one day. And also, I just want to say that you are much prettier than the um, actual Michelle Fear. so... Thank god. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God, because she was like, so I got this Actors Access breakdown. I'm trying to remember where we were at, but thank you so much. So with the Actors Access breakdown, uh, it's like a Craigslist for actors, and I saw it was for killer couples, and 
I saw, I think it said Thea Diamond, and I didn't know what it meant, but I saw a picture of her, and I was like, oh, that's weird. We kind of look a little bit alike. Like, she looks like my aunt. Like, I didn't really, it didn't click with me. And so then I sent a picture in, and within a couple hours, I got an email back, which usually does not happen. And it said, like, hey, uh, we wanted to talk to you about your submission. And I thought, oh, there's something wrong with it. What did I do? Because um, when you self-submit, it's it's like your own territory. You have to learn how to put your own resume together, all that stuff. Like, your agent's not going to hold your hand through that. They're busy with, like, bigger paying jobs. <laughs> um, so... I called in with the woman and she's like, no, we just wanted to make sure it was you. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, it's me. And they're like, are you available? Let's do this. And I thought, OK, how much fun is this? And it was the first like time I had a job with a hotel Aww. and the duration that was the longest I had ever had at that point. So it was five days consecutive and I had a hotel for every night. And when I looked up her murder, <laughs> they finally told me after I booked because it was like within a week. I looked it up and I was like, my biggest thing was like, how is she able to land so many men? <laughs> like, what is her secret? Because I'm looking at her going like, this is, you know, like, that's, I mean, she's okay looking, but like, I wouldn't exactly pick her out of a lineup. <laughs> and I actually found out she's at Raleigh Correctional Facility, no. uh, which is two hours from my house. And I really considered going to visit her. But that's when I looked up that she was sequestered for manipulating other inmates. And I think around that time was when Charles Manson got married to that really beautiful woman that was like 20 something. Oh, yeah. So I just knew like if I met her, I was like, oh, God, I feel like we'd become friends. And I don't want that. <laughs> like, I don't think this woman deserves to be like lauded for what's happening you know yeah like, yeah it's, it's like guys she's getting an episode because she's a psychopath <laughs> oh my god so this all right we're just gonna ask you straight up what was it like filming the sex scenes um yeah so it's like the joke is now that like that was my first second third fourth fifth and sixth ever sex scenes that i've ever taped was on that episode <laughs> so you had okay and I was wondering, did, was it just like one? Because you have a lot of sex scenes in this episode. And I was wondering, was it like one big one and they just cut it and it, edited it into a lot of small scenes, but you shot six separate sex scenes? Because it looked like a lot of it was the same scene replayed. Yeah, they totally replayed the, what I'm guessing they replayed is the blue dress scene over and over again. Mm, no, actually, most of the ones that they showed were you in lingerie. In the bed? Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, that, that's that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> that was, <laughs> That's probably why my dad stopped watching the episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, it was fine because it's the unsexiest thing to film a sex scene. And I had no idea about that. I had no idea how, like, now you have to watch everything differently because it's actually both people are lying horizontally together. But then you're kind of motioning to look like it's a vertical and somebody's got to shoot from a different angle. And I was like, wow, this is this is actually a ton of work. This is more work than like standing up and doing lines for sure. It's ridiculous because it's just it's physical, but not in like the fun way at all. And it's more. Like and that's what I've always heard, that it's like in real life, it's really not sexy. And you have all these other people there and you yeah. have lights and you have microphones and, you know, it's what did um what did your husband think about you having to film all these scenes? 
oh, he won't watch it. No. But we know that. Like, he's not. <laughs> we, like, we just knew, like, eh, he's, he's like, why would I want to watch you do that? I'm like, yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, yeah. No. It was like, no, it's not. A, but, like, it's not like other actresses. And it, it hurts my heart when I hear other women go, well, my husband won't let me. Because I'm like, oh, yeah, that's territory. I don't think I could ever hop on. Um, <laughs> it's more like, I'm doing this. Have fun. <laughs> and personally... It wasn't nude. It wasn't gratuitous. And it's oxygen sex. Like, that's the funniest thing to me. Um, I was actually more interested than anything on how we were going to film it because I'm like, like, because I know from Lifetime movies and Oxygen and ID Channel, they only can get a PG rating. They're never going to get beyond that. Yeah. They try to push the envelope a little bit sometimes to PG-13, but it limits their audience too much. So... I was, like, dying of laughter when I read how many scenes there were because I'm like, I don't even know how they're going to do this. Oh, my God, that's too funny. Like, how how do you depict that they're swingers on PG television? Like, that's always funny to me. Yeah. And, I mean, they got really creative with, like, the editing and the camera angles and everything. But how long did you actually know the actor for before you had to start filming these sex scenes with them? Oh, you have to say actors plural because it was two. What? Yeah, and it was it was rough because um, the one was the husband and then the one was John, and he was great. Um, he had done that before, I think, for another show, and he actually went on and did, like, a Homicide Hunter episode. Um, and that's Rory, and he looks – I mean, he looks like a buff policeman. Like, it just totally fit, and he actually looked a lot like the real John Diamond. There was not really much of a stretch there. Um, and – yeah, funny enough, he owns a rap music video filming studio in Atlanta. <laughs> it's so weird what everybody like kind of really does. Um, so I'm trying to think. They had us meet each other, and we talked a little bit um, the day before. And his, I think, now wife is a pharmacist. Like, they're super sweet people, and they were just excited to be able to do this. And I'm trying to think about it. I know it's so boring. Um, <laughs> Not to us. I know. We're enthralled. I no, I forgot where it was going. Oh, but like the first day, that wasn't the first one. They did like the swinger scene first. So that was kind of like, all right, this is a little bit easier. Like, I'm not afraid of breathing in your space. Because <laughs> um, that's, that's usually me. I just don't like being close to people. So it just takes me a minute. But then when we did the bed scene, it was funny because we were both laying there and he was like, I just want to eat pizza. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't eat carbs for two days for this. <laughs> and it was just like, I'm really, really hungry because <laughs> I knew like, oh, gosh, I don't know what angle this is going to be. And also at that time, I think, oh, gosh, I think I was on this birth control that made me gain a wicked amount of weight. So I was already not feeling it at all. Aww. So I was more concerned about that than I was concerned about you look beautiful. anything else that was happening, which is so weird. Yeah, you look beautiful on the show quite frankly. <laughs> Thanks. And I want to say that they actually cut the sex scenes out that you filmed with your husband because I don't really remember. I don't either. I just remember the John Diamond hot sex. Yeah. So. <laughs> so to speak. I think what it was like was I was more um, like always on the bed in an outfit and then the husband was always like kind of walking away. So that actually leads us to another question we had for you because in the opening of the episode they do show you sitting on the bed with lingerie and the husband's like, I'm not interested. And so Sharon and I both had the same question. That was lovely lingerie. Did you get to keep it? Oh, that was mine anyway. Oh, <laughs> well, it's gorgeous. They are. It's amazing. But what's not real is the boobs. Oh, Ch- oh, wait. Are those the chicken cutlets? 
Yeah, they're huge cutlets. They're like they were like sandbag ones that they put um, in corsets sometimes. No way. Yeah, and they were they were awesome. They were so awesome. In fact, that like after I got home, I was like, I kind of really liked them being that size. And we actually like looked it up and went down that whole route of researching it and going like, would this be possible? <laughs> no, no, no. You don't want to do that. Um, apparently not. Yeah, apparently not. No. When I found out the price tag, I was like, what? And then the chance that they would all, like, float back, I was like, no, no, I don't want that. And then you got to get them, like, redone every 10 years because they can get, like, They don't tell you that. They don't tell you that. Yeah. Gross. No, you're perfect the way you are. You don't need fake boobs. So back to the um, the research for the role, did you get to see any actual crime scene photos or read any of the court documents? I did. I saw crime scene photos and then court documents that you can get a hold of are like the people versus, you know, the state versus, you know, that type of thing. So I saw like little bits of that, um, especially because peripherally on the show, they had the packets with your script, but it wasn't really a script. It was a shot list because nobody's like talking or anything. Um, That was actually going to be another one of our questions. (laughs) Oh, it's ridiculous. They have it down to a science. It's it's exactly like Ed Wood. Like they shoot it once. And then they're like, okay, sounds good. And then they move on. Wow. So I'm always interested to see like what people thought of it because like now I watch the shows with a whole different level of like, this is an achievement that it just doesn't completely suck (laughs) because it's such a time constraint. You like, you have to do it, you know, so quickly because, but also the camera work is just that good. They already have it. Like it's already down to a science. They show you like immediately after your first shot and you're like, oh, okay, I got it. This is fine. So when you're you're talking to people, what are you like actually saying? Like as you're filming the reenactment scenes, um, you pretty much say what they were saying. That's not too out of the ordinary. I have a huge improv background, so it's never really an issue for me when I have to say something. Um, I want to say the only hard time I have learning lines is when it's medical, <laughs> just because it's like, holy cow, this is a lot, and these are words I don't normally use for sure. <laughs> But theirs was pretty easy. It was it was more like, especially with Michelle and John, it was like saying I love you, things like that. Mm-hmm. Just showing that there's a different demeanor between her and her husband and her and her boyfriend. In the scenes where you had tears on your face, did you have to actually cry for that? Or did they put like fake tears on your face? Or how did that work? Oh, I'm going to ruin your life right now. Um, most tears that you see on screen aren't real. They can't be. No! It's, yeah, it's too much. It's entirely too much because you're sitting there and you're crying and you cry for like maybe four or five takes. But if you think about times that you've like actually really, really cried, you cry yourself out. There's a point where it gets dry. <laughs> um, so some people will take menthol and put it right under their eyes. Oh. Um, some people will do fake tears, which is like a gelatin sort of like sustained drops. Okay. I will cry as much as I can and then I'll just... Oh, it's so bad. Then I'll just straight up touch my eyeball with my finger and then more will come out. (laughs) I wish I could say it was like totally genuine the whole time. But like, you know, some people it's a muscle and they blink and it rolls down. And I really wish I had that. So you mentioned earlier a little, you touched on this earlier, but um, it sounds like reenactment work doesn't really pay the bills. Would that be fair to say? Absolutely. But it's fun. (laughs) Oh, no, it's a total blast. And, like, don't get me wrong. When I submitted and sent on it and then I got the job, that's when I called my agent. And I didn't ask permission. (laughs) I was just like, I'm going to Knoxville, Tennessee, and I'm going to film this. And it's with ID Channel. And I'm going to be the lead of the episode. And I'm getting paid. And a $50 gas stipend, what percentage do you want? 
because the way the agents work is that, well, at least mine, um, they're exclusive. So any job I book, they get a cut. Wow. Yeah. So I'm like, well, you know, it's good because when I was younger in Chicago, it's like you have as many agents as possible so that hopefully one of them gets you a job and then you give them a cut. So with my agent, it was like, I wasn't asking permission. I was asking like how much they wanted. And they're like, Amanda, that's not a good idea. It doesn't pay a lot at all. (laughs) I was like, well, I'm leaving tomorrow. So what percent would you like? (laughs) I just, I was not taking no for an answer. So it was not bad at all. Like they ended up going like, don't do that. Just keep it. So that was good. Oh, that was nice. But yeah, I was like, I don't think you understand. This is a job I want to do. Yeah, for sure. And I like, honestly, something like this, would increase your chances of getting a Lifetime movie, I feel. I do, too. Absolutely. And I just might have filmed one earlier this year. So I think we're good. I think we're good, which is great. You know, it's like once you start to get into it, you can narrow it down more and meet more people, and everybody does cross over. You're totally right. Honestly, you're kind of, like, predicting all of our upcoming questions. Really? For Uh sure. But our next question is, what are you working on? It's been interesting this year for sure because like every year I'll go into it thinking this is what I would like to do this year and I remember going into this year thinking I would just love to do more film like more actual movies um I do commercials all the time um I do films a lot I just wish I had more opportunity to do them more consistently but I think there's not an actor in this world that won't say that and oddly enough January and February which are the slowest months notoriously I was on set for a film produced by Mar Vista. Yeah, and then the second one uh, was filmed by same production team, different producer, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, we filmed in South Carolina the month of February to March. And that one is a faith-based thriller. And that one's called Angel's Prayer. And then the other one is called Love on the Rise. I love it. Oh, yeah. It's so exciting. And we're just filming right now uh, Last Call. So that's why we had to move everything. And thank you so much for moving the time. Oh, you're welcome. Because this is a horror movie we're doing here in Wilmington. Ooh. We like horror movies. Absolutely, right? The weather is kicking our ass, though. So that's why everything's taking a little bit longer. Are you allowed to discuss the plot of... I am allowed to discuss the plot. I'm so excited. So this one is, let me see where to start with it. So it's it starts off typical and then gets a little different and off the rails for sure. So it's two cops that are kind of friends because they have to be. And it's, it's centered around four women who typically don't have female friends. And you can get that vibe because they're trying really hard to have a girls weekend. But they're not women that like do brunch or just hangouts or things like that they're they're kind of all four of them women on the outskirts that their common thread is that their friend greg had passed away oh so they want to go spread his ashes at a retreat and of course one of them wins a timeshare and is like well let's go and it was called last call retreats and so they all get in the car they get there the place exists it's just not what they think (laughs) so then the rest of it gets crazy and it's um Pretty much a lot of it's outside in the woods. Wow, I'm lots of sign me up. Yeah, lots of woods, junkyard, outdoors. So I have a huge respect for midsummer. (laughs) (laughs) Like watching that in the middle of filming it was like, oh, I don't know how they even did this. Like at least we were allowed to go inside a few times. (laughs) Like 
At least we have scenes that take place in houses and things like that, because filming outside is a whole different beast. Wow. Well, I, I kind of want to see that already. So that sounds awesome. Oh, thank you. Do you get to do any like fun, like chase scenes, screaming scenes, covered in blood, anything yeah. like that? All of it. Yes. Nice. All of it. And they're, they're breaking a lot of barriers with it, too. Cool. It passes the Bechdel test. Do y'all know about that one? No. Okay, so the Bechdel test is, um, and they found that 97% of American movies at the time did not have it. And people have been applying it annually. And I think a couple of years ago, it was still 97%. A movie with a female lead where she does not have a boyfriend, where her and another female talk for longer than five minutes... There's dialogue between females for long in general for longer than like a few minutes and where the woman does not have a romantic interest nor is discussing a romantic interest with another woman, if that makes sense. Because most movies that you and it makes you go look back at most movies that you see because most women talking to other women are talking about boyfriend troubles. Absolutely. Or somebody being cute or whatever. And that's what was really cool about the script is that... um, it's not even an issue. None of this is on the table. It's genuinely a movie with horror and mystery in it. And you're not worried about, oh, are they going to get a boyfriend? <laughs> and you also hopefully don't miss it because I didn't. It was great. <laughs> I'm in already, honestly. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, that makes me want to see it even more. Is there yeah. um, a tentative release date? We are reshooting a few things because, of course, we wanted to shoot it across three weekends. And the first weekend, there was such bad rain. Second weekend, heat advisory. Ooh. And (laughs) yeah, so we just went back and did like our second round of reshoots. We'll probably do a third round and then a bunch of ADR because when you shoot outside, it's just ridiculous. You don't know if there's a helicopter overhead or if it was a motorcycle. And then there's a police siren and then there's some kid off in the distance screaming, you know, and there's so many things you can't control. (laughs) Like, it's not like you can buy airspace. So (laughs) I'm sure they would have by the end of it. But um. Hopefully, it's going to be completed by this fall. And then as soon as we lock distribution, I'll let you guys know where, where it's going to be at. Please do. That sounds awesome, actually. I'm so excited. It's an entirely minority-ran production team as well. So I think that's super important. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I'm excellent. excited for you. Oh, yeah. I'm super excited. You go, girl. Can I ask an ask question, Sharon? Yes, you can. Okay. Amanda, what was the first uh, horror movie you ever saw? Um, I looked it up to make sure because I was like... No way. Um, The Changeling was the first horror movie I've ever seen. We love that movie. That's awesome. And I saw it at eight years old. Nice. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah, my dad showed that one to me. So (laughs) that's good for him. He he has good taste in horror movies. And it's funny because the movie pretty much starts with like an eight year old little girl dying. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Um, which leads to um, the next question. What is your favorite horror movie? Okay, I have a few. <laughs> Go for it. Okay. Uh, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Starry Eyes, I loved. I haven't seen that. I have seen that. That's an interesting choice. All right, now I have to watch it. As an actor, I loved it. Because as an actress that has worked at Hooters, <laughs> they got it down pat. I mean, it's an actress that works at a, you know, butt cheek chicken wing restaurant. Yep. Hates her life. Satan meets up with her. Doesn't even have to ask her much if she'll kill all her friends and he'll make her famous. (laughs) And she just does it. 
like, watching it after having been a waitress and doing that for years, I was kind of like, yeah, I wouldn't have even had to been, like, asked more than once. <laughs> Dude, I'm going home and watching that right after this. <laughs> oh, she's she's funny. Not that I would kill my friends. The idea of just selling out completely at that point, heck yes, absolutely. She okay. Like, it's such a funny movie. And then um, I'm a huge Lars von Trier fan. Oh, are you going to say Antichrist? Uh, absolutely. Actually, Antichrist I watched for the first time in my hotel room when I was filming Killer Couples. No. <laughs> oh, my God. And I loved it. As a parent, I got it completely. Wow. And it was rough but cathartic, and it was beautiful. And it's that's one of my favorites. Um, I like to pretend he didn't make certain other films <laughs> that like, I'm not super into. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, anything by Ari Aster and on YouTube's all of his short films. So the strange thing about the Johnson family is uh, one of the best things I've seen. I think he's my new horror movie creator boyfriend. He's single. <laughs> Dude, this is what I hear after filming uh, the latest. Um... If you date him, he might make a movie about you, Mindy. I love him and Ty West, but Ari Aster's my man. Any other? Yeah, if. If you go on Netflix, there's one called Krisha, K-R-I-S-H-A. It's about a woman who just got out of rehab for the umpteenth time wanting to host a family Thanksgiving. The movie starts with just three minutes of her face, and it's black and white, and it's utterly terrifying. And the guy was like, I just wanted to make something like kind of about my family and what it was like to have an addict as a mother, and it's it's just awesome. And it's scary in a not in an unconventional horror way awesome for me it was utterly terrifying because i felt like my whole house filled up with the mood in the film i think i've seen it like it one of those like you should watch this kind of things from netflix so i'll have to definitely now i'm definitely going to check it out but i'm pretty sure i have no i'm like happy that netflix bought it i'm really like impressed that they did and then there's um there's a movie called darling yeah yeah i've seen that I love that movie. I love Lauren Ashley Carter. I love anything she's in. Um, she's one of those like independent film actresses. She also did Jughead or Jug Face. Yeah, you seen that? Yeah, mm-hmm. she's outstanding. She's so great, and she actually does reply back. No. Yeah, if you reach out to her on social media, she'll talk back to you. Aww. Yeah, she answers questions. She did something called Imitation Girl, and that was also beautiful. See, like I don't have like exact top 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 favorites, but The Shining oh. is an all time for sure. Yes. Um, of course, that's just always going to be whatever. And I read the book for the first time recently and Dr. Sleep I also read. And then I have a friend who um, is in the Dr. Sleep movie. So it's like definitely all coming full circle and it's great. I'm so excited to see that movie. And I, I listened to The Shining, the audiobook, uh last year. So I think I'm going to have to listen to Dr. Sleep before the movie comes out, mm. which um, did she get to meet Ewan McGregor? Me? No. No, no. Your um, friend that was in... My friend James? Absolutely, yeah. Please tell us all about that, because he's one of our favorites. Swoon. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. He's so, He seems like he's just such a consummate professional, and he's so perfect to play Danny. And the whole concept of Danny being older and things not being okay, it's so real. Because I don't know how you go through that as a kid, and you're suddenly fine. There's no way. Yeah, no, and the book is beautiful. I mean, it covers how Wendy ends up, all of them. It's great. So psyched. And poor Shelley Duvall. I think that movie broke her. I think completely. She, she developed her psychological problems after filming that movie, which, I mean, y- you can't really blame her. I, she did not have a good time making that movie, which 
you know, like knowing that now and rewatching it, yeah. I, I feel so bad for her. But um, did you watch Room 237? Yes, I did. So did you like see the part where she's like laying on the ground and she's almost in like this narcissistic rant and Kubrick's just so sick of her? Uh, you know what? Is, is that the one where where people have their own theories? Yep. OK, I think yeah. I had to turn that off because I kept yelling at the people. <laughs> Like I agree too. I, I think The Shining is The Shining, and it's about going nuts. Like why we got to insert everything here? I don't think Stanley Kubrick is fallible. I just think that there are times when directors think they can push actors a certain way, mm-hmm. and if the actor's not psychologically ready, they'll go there. But it's not going to be what you want, and sometimes you push it to a point where you can't pull it back. Yep. What I heard is the problem sometimes with actors when you audition them is there are there's a very small cross-section of actors that are excellent auditioners and excellent first-time improvisers and usually by having multiple rounds of auditions you can get rid of um what you don't think fits but I I really still believe that Shelley Duvall was chosen based off of auditions and then they started working with her and realized it wasn't it wasn't gelling I think it still worked in the end, but I don't think she should have lost her mind over it. Yeah, I mean, her performance was amazing. I mean... Absolutely. The three main characters in that film, I mean, they, they I don't think they could... I could not see anyone else playing any of those leads. But I see your point, though, on the, now thinking back on it, like watching it and thinking about watching her performance, I could totally see what you mean about, like, as they were proceeding, they were like, um, it does feel like maybe it's... I remember always feeling like it was kind of awkward with Shelley Duvall. Absolutely, because Jack, like, has a whole process in place. Yeah. I mean, well, my husband, like, teaches acting, and we're actually just talking about this right now. There is a possibility you can go to college for acting, and then you can get your master's degree in acting, and you can have rehearsed. We, we did a math equation. You could have rehearsed outside of class and off the stage for a total of, like, maybe 100 hours, if you're lucky. It's, like, 20 hours if you do undergrad Because when you think about it, most of acting classes, here's a scene, go rehearse, come back. Mm -hmm. So you do that. But like nobody teaches you how to rehearse. Nobody teaches you a process. That's a good point. Jack was total method. I mean, he he, I mean, he was fabulous. And he had he had a way things worked. He had a process. You can watch him jumping up and down before a take. And, you know, he had things he would repeat to himself and places to be instead of these are my lines and I got to get there which is jarring for most people Mm -hmm. and even actors in general like I still come across some where I'm like you've got to try improv and then they'll be like oh we don't do improv and it's like well you actually do in your everyday life (laughs) you know like and I definitely did not say this the godfather said this um you're you're a diff you act every day of your life you have a different tone of voice with your husband than you do with the guy that gives you coffee hell yeah you have you know you have a different way that you speak to a police officer that pulls you over than you talk to a parent there's there's just no nobody's the same throughout the entire day exactly i think it's that level of flexibility and i think with a director like stanley kubrick you're either on that train or you are off (laughs) like i don't know i don't know how you could be a middle ground and like be okay at the end of the day i i would imagine the sense i got was that shelly duvall was incredibly insecure the whole time And that they did not have time to reassure her the level she needed. Because I think she was waiting for people to be like, no, no, you're doing a good job. And it just was like, no, we have stuff to do. Yeah. There is no, like, reassurance from the team that 
All right, we're done. We're good. We filmed it. Let's move on. Yeah. Yeah. But to be honest, like, if you're already in an insecure space, like, is there any level of reassurance that would help? Yeah, that's a good point. I think at a certain point, people are just like, okay. (laughs) Like, it only works so much. To be fair, like, as, as awkward as it is to watch on screen, I feel like that is sort of the point also. So it does work for the movie. Absolutely. So this is a good segue into the next question which would be if you could be any horror movie character who would you be and why i actually have two it's so bad um clara from byzantium i just loved her setup i thought it was really cool i identified with her in a lot of ways where it's just like you know anything for my family i don't care whatever i need to do she violated every single law that governed her very existence in order to save her sister and I thought it was just a beautiful movie, and she had a really cool life, too. A very, uh, very bohemian. I thought that was awesome. And then the other one is the caretaker in the movie The Orphanage, the Spanish movie. Yes! Because oh. I just love kids. So <laughs> it's like, and I loved, um, like, working in pre-K and daycare and stuff, and I think that would be really fun to film or even, like, exist in. I just thought that was a beautiful movie with a really beautiful concept of, like, the kids finally having a home. That's awesome. I feel like I'm going to think of like 20 movies as soon as I hang up. (laughs) So bad. Well, you're welcome back anytime. So thank you. Next time we have you on the show, you could. um, When you're promoting your uh, new movie, we'll have you back. Yeah, when you're promoting your new horror movie. Mindy, do you want to ask the next question? Yes. Uh, What is your ultimate acting role? Um, Ultimate acting role is is uh mrs robinson yeah have no idea why like it just was always there and then when i got older and watched it I was like i didn't realize she had so much depth in her character and then was like oh i really do like this i have to say <laughs> so i think I she's say, just awesome the graduate is my second all-time favorite movie i love that oh movie really so much i do my favorite movie it actually was my favorite movie for the longest time and then, like, one of my most recent rewatches of Blue Velvet, I was like, nope, Blue Velvet just bumped it up. But The Graduate is my second favorite. You know that was filmed here? In North Wait, oh, yeah, Blue Velvet, for sure. I know. Yeah, Winnie's Tavern is, like, the best place for burgers in town. What is? Winnie's Tavern. It's the bar that she sings at. Oh, have trip, you been there? To North Carolina. Yeah, it's a real place. It's Yeah, it's 20 minutes from my house. <gasps> Okay, so we're going to have to come visit you, and you're going to have to take us on a tour of all the filming sites from Blue Valley. Oh, it's it's ridiculous. Like, you almost, like, ah, that's amazing. you can and can't believe it, but it makes so much sense. Like, if you're a, a Lynch fan, to go around downtown Wilmington and go, oh, yeah, I, c- I could see this. I could really see this. Because now going back and watching, like, old Twin Peaks and stuff, it's like, okay, I could see why he loved this place. Yeah. Well, we've been to Twin Peaks. <laughs> We're not even going to get into that. I, I know. I'm so jealous. I think it's crazy. So I guess North Carolina's next. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely. Wilmington's got a lot for sure. And I'm glad people are considering it again. It used to have a really good tax benefit. It got cut away. But um, stuff is slowly but surely coming back here. Awesome. So that's good. So what would your ultimate acting role be for something that has not been portrayed yet? What What do you want to do in your career? I don't know. Like, I feel like 
it's still yet to come for sure. Like I, I haven't really considered that. Like as far as like a character right now that's doing great or like what are we thinking? Like your own lifetime movie? <laughs> oh Lord. Um I mean, I hope they make stuff about Greta Thunberg if they haven't yet. I hope that we get to have some sort of Elizabeth Warren biopic. I would be fascinated to see how she got to where she did. Yeah. Yeah. Especially nowadays, because I, I don't know about you. I'm I'm in the South, so, like, you can't oh. mention her name in public. <laughs> it doesn't go well. I'm trying to think, like, more of, like, the social justice warrior females I'm fascinated by. Yes. I'm always fascinated by women that are told no and that are just like, eh, that's nice, and then just go on and do whatever, especially in today's political climate because it's so dangerous to disagree. Mm-hmm. I love that answer. That is a great answer. Yep. Oh, good. <laughs> Not that there's a wrong answer, but there like, is no, that was fantastic. Yeah, there are no wrong answers here. But it is a test, and I've asked, and that's good. <laughs> and finally, if people want to follow you, where can they do that? They can do it on Instagram. Um, and you're going to have to correct me. I think it's at Amanda E. Goodyear, all one word. But even if you type in Amanda Goodyear, you'll find me on there. And I think I have a link to my IMDb on there. So you can click on that and see other stuff that I've done. And there's Amanda Goodyear. And she's also on Facebook. And I try to keep them updated at the same time. We can also link to your stuff. That would be lovely. And is there anything else that you would like to talk about or promote? Um, I think you should check out my husband and I's theater company. So it's called Alchemical Theater. And... We do classic theater in Wilmington and all over wherever we can get hired at. Um, he just put on a show called In Blood that I helped do some dead baby props for. <laughs> <laughs> it was an immersive Macbeth and, you know, super proud of him, super proud of it. But we started the company back in 2015 because we did measure for measure to protest HB2. Woo! Wow. So when HB2 came out, we realized a lot of performing acts were leaving North Carolina and we were like, well, this is stupid because most of us do not feel this way. And I don't know if y'all know, HB2 was the bathroom bill where they were deciding that trans people shouldn't be allowed in the bathroom of their choice, mm -hmm. which was so asinine considering nobody knows anyway. Right. <laughs> so it became this Nazi fight where people wanted to be able to check identifications and genitalia oh. in order to make sure you're going in the right bathroom which is extremely dangerous for the trans community and especially uh trans community of color it's it's just a horrific idea all around um personally some friends of mine were not even using the bathroom during their eight-hour shifts wow. because they didn't want to get followed Mm-hmm. and so to protest it, we put on Measure for Measure because it had a lot of similarities, um, Shakespeare's Measure for Measure. And when we were going to produce it, we, of course, needed money, but we needed to throw it up really fast. And Brandy Carlisle, within an hour, emailed back with her Looking Out Foundation and said, here's money, do it. Uh. And we didn't even have, like, a script. We just had, like, this idea and some resumes and a proposal. And it just came back so quick. And we were like, absolutely. And then Fred Grandy, who played Gopher on the Love Boat, um, funded it and came and flo flew in and did it as well. Wow. Which wow. was really cool. So we're, we're really excited about that theater company as well. Thank you for promoting that. And we will definitely share that. I just want to thank you so much for letting us interview you and if you are ever back in Chicago 
um, we got to get together and have a drink. Absolutely. You are always welcome to come on the show and talk about whatever you want to talk about. So just let us know anytime. Oh, I'm so ready. That's exciting. So good luck in your career and your upcoming projects. And I, yeah, you have to let us know when this horror movie comes out because we want to go see it. We already want to buy tickets, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. And before I forget, it's called Last Call. It's being produced by BR Films. And there's an executive production team of four people. Marquand Raglan is also the director. Janique Bennett also acts with me, and she was in Hunger Games. Um, She's super accomplished. And then we also have Eric and Matt, and I will try to get their last names, and they're going to get so mad at me for forgetting. But (laughs) (laughs) all I know is they're the brains of the team. That's all I can remember. Aw, well, thank you so much, Amanda. It was so good, like, talking to you and catching up with you. Thank you so much. If anyone wants to send us their uh, ghost stories, scary stories, um, anyone else wants to talk about their favorite horror movies or true crime TV shows, you can email us at horsetalkhorror at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at horsetalkhorror. And on Twitter, you can find us at horsehorror. And as always, thanks, thanks for, for getting, getting creepy, creepy with us. us. Ha <laughs> ha